Welcome back to A View from the Couch. I am Rich. I am Jen. And we are here to talk about Firestarter 2022. The 2022 adaptation of yeah. the Stephen King novel. Yeah, it's not a remake of the other movie. I've never read the book, so I don't know how close it is to the book or not, but we'll get into that. It it is listed as a remake of the 84 film. Uh. But the filmmakers like to tout it as a readaptation, which I think is is an interesting way to to do it. And I think John Carpenter kind of pioneered this this concept when he did uh, his version of the thing back in 82 he specifically made sure to say no we were just readapting the novel we're not remaking the movie thing from another world right and of course that's what that's the way they kind of present it present firestarter here i'm not sure i agree with it but we'll we'll get into that too we'll get into that too now prior to seeing this movie had you seen the original Firestarter? No. Okay. So you had not seen the movie. You had not read the book. And then you, so you started with this movie. This was your, this was your intro to the world of Firestarter. It was. And since the first time I've seen it, I have now gone back and watched the original and watched this one for a second viewing. So I have mm-hmm. now seen this a few times here. Okay, so we're familiar with the base plot of the movie, at least. I myself have seen both versions of this. I saw the 84 version when I was a kid. I was big into horror at a young age, and that was, a at time, considered a horror movie. We discussed whether or not the original should be even classified as a horror movie after you watched it, but... It was considered a horror movie back in the day. It was in the horror VHS section at my local video scene store, which <laughs> probably nobody but anybody in Delaware would even know what a video scene is, but sure. But but yeah, so I had I had seen that. But even before I had seen the movie, I had read the book. My mom used to give me Stephen King novels to read as a preteen. So this would have been... I don't know. I might have. We were living in England at the time, and I, so I, it would have been somewhere between the ages of eight and twelve. So. so that seems really unusual to me because I think my daughter at eight to twelve, I would not have wanted her reading Stephen <laughs> King books. <laughs> my mom, my mom was unconventional to say the least. Yeah, she, we used to watch horror movies too. Like she would let me watch horror movies. I'd say I wanted to watch it. And if I could sit through it, I sat through it. If I couldn't, I ran off in our family. There's a a story about how I really, really, really wanted to watch American werewolf in London when I was about eight years old. And they, they sat me down in front of the TV. They put American werewolf in London on and I was fine until they get to a scene where he's running through the forest and he comes up to like, he's having a dream. Uh, The lead character is having a dream and he runs up to a, a version of himself laying in bed and that version of himself, like does this whole thing, like with like fangs Mm -hmm. and like these weird dark circles under his eyes and like weird contact lenses. And it freaked me the hell out. And I ran upstairs. 
I didn't watch it again until probably the next year. And then I sat through the whole thing. Ah. But yeah, so so yeah, if I could sit through it, they'd pretty much let me watch it. So, which of course fueled my my just like in my early teens through you know now my just voracious appetite for horror movies. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I've 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 read the book, I've seen the movie, I've seen this remake of the movie reimagining of the book, readaptation, readaptation. Why don't you tell us who is responsible for this movie? All right. This, this version of Firestarter was directed by Keith Thomas. He is, I looked at his filmography mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a lot under his belt. He did The Vigil a couple years back, which I have not seen. I didn't even I don't know that I've heard that about that movie. And then I think there was some music videos and a couple TV shows or something like that. So not a lot. Hmm. The screenplay is written by Scott teams. He was part of the screenplay team for Halloween kills. And this movie, as you mentioned before, is based off the novel by Stephen King. We have Zac Efron starring as Andy McGee, Ryan Kira Armstrong, plays Charlie McGee. Sydney Lemon is Vicky McGee. Or maybe it's Lemon or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it looks it looks like Lemon. I mean like Jack Lemon, <laughs> you know, I mean yeah. I think it is, but who knows? That that's her grandfather, Jack Lemon. So it's is it, it really? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. that's her grandpa. So okay. Yeah. So it's not Lemon, it's Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> well I said it right the first time. Yeah, you did. <laughs> And then you massacred it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gray Eyes as Rainbird, mm-hmm. Gloria Rubin, Captain Hollister, John Beasley is Irv Manders, and Kurtwood Smith plays Dr. Joseph Wanless. Can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> but Kurtwood Smith is always going to be either Red Foreman or the dude from RoboCop to me. Like, that's just how I see him. I know he was in like Rambo 3 in the 80s too, and like a bunch of other stuff, you know, but he just, he has this iconic portrayal of Clarence Boddicker in, in, in RoboCop. And of course, Red Foreman in that 70s show is an absolute icon of a character so yeah it's interesting to see him here it's always interesting to see him in roles that i don't expect him in so okay sure all right so shall we get into it let's let's talk about this let's rip off the band-aid and do this thing (laughs) rip off the (laughs) band-aid guys she's she's previewing her thoughts okay so this movie starts with kind of a flashback where we see baby Charlie burn up her mobile or mobile, 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 mobile is like going somewhere. Mobile is a place you could be mobile to mobile, but a mobile is the, is the thing that you hang over a baby's crib. So she burns that up and everybody freaks out, but then they cut to the opening credits where they, effectively explain like everything about the lot six trial and just kind of redo the whole scene from the 84 movie 
even up to the point where the guy has his eyes out. But in this one, you get to see his eyes in his hands. He didn't just put his eyes out. He's holding his eyes in his hands. and He drops them onto the floor. And like, this was all like a dream to Andy in the book. And it was a flashback for Andy in the book. And it was a flashback for Andy in the original movie. And in this, they're just tossing it into the credits. Like, this is unimportant. Like, this is not a major part of his character or trauma or anything like that well i i think they're expecting that most people that are going to watch this movie has seen the first one and so they're probably going through this pretty quick but i think they want this story to be more about charlie and so this is just kind of okay this is where this family is coming from type of thing sure i sure. thought the visuals in here were pretty disturbing so it was a good start yeah to yeah a scary movie so i i did kind of like how they did that sure now they are kind of taking the rob zombie approach though with this in that they aren't dropping us into the action and media res as they say they are dropping us into the background and they're going to explain everything right off the bat rather than let us find out about that as we're as we are as an audience member or as a reader experiencing the panic of a father trying to protect his daughter on the run from these mysterious people they're going to explain just about everything right off the bat which comparing the two i actually for myself i preferred it this way as far as telling it up front and then let's just focus on the story afterwards sometimes flashbacks when you have a lot of them in a movie get a little like tedious feeling having one is fine but when you have multiple ones it's like okay all right i i it's enough so (laughs) i preferred get this out of the way up front tell me the rest of the story for the movie Hmm. okay but the in my opinion in this movie the the flashbacks are part of the story because they tell you they inform stuff without actually having to say it which this movie does a lot this movie has a lot to like specifically tell you rather than show you and again film is a visual medium and you can show us rather than tell us if you mm-hmm. want to tell us just give us the audiobook you know don't 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 bother getting actors and you know film producers and all that stuff just do the audiobook if you just want to tell us everything but this is a lot of exposition and you could argue that it's style it's a, it's a style choice it's a style preference to tell it in a linear fashion but i think the flashbacks inform what's happening in the scene a little bit more like in the in the film a little bit more than just giving us a streamlined version of it anyway but i can totally understand and and see where you're coming from that you prefer to have less flashbacks you think that they're they're intrusion or an intrusion into the story so this being the streamlined version you kind of get to see charlie and her mom and dad and the interaction like there's no mystery about like what happened to charlie's mom because we see her you know attack her mom really early in this movie and so you've got charlie learning how to control her powers or learning that she needs to control her powers a little bit 
and you get to the you get this scene where she's in the school she's in school and she gets bullied and then she runs to the bathroom which by the way i don't know how the teacher knew exactly where she was but she knew she knew exactly where she was like charlie ran off ran into the bathroom you know jumped into a stall and the teacher followed but didn't see her you like there's like she's far enough behind charlie that she doesn't know where she's going so i don't know how the teacher knew that she was in the bathroom well if it's a small school there's only so many places you're (laughs) gonna go i I mean that's just how it is and this teacher seems to be with her for each of the classes so i'm assuming it's a smaller school my question part of this too was the kids are obviously bullying this kid right Mm -hmm right in front of the teachers and the teachers just let it all happen. Yeah. The and I know that's really anything. not part of the story, but that was something that bothered me. Well, I mean, it kind of is though, because don't you kind of prevent Charlie's, you know, outburst a little bit. If you, somebody if you stands up. Yes. Yeah, if you step in and say, Hey, cut that out, you know, like go to the principal's mm-hmm. office or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. So she she doesn't, though. She just chases Charlie to the bathroom. And there she finds that Charlie has turned on all this, the taps and uh, they're, they're just the water's turning into steam. And Charlie is in one of the stalls and the teacher tries to get her out. But instead, Charlie blows the door off the stalls, which everybody assumes is just her playing with fireworks or some craziness. But yet she walks out uninjured she walks out completely you have an explosion in there but she's in there with it and i I don't know i thought that was a weird jump but but what else are you going to jump to i mean right yeah nobody's going to jump automatically to oh my god she has superpowers and she's going to bring everybody alive right yeah they're not going to right you're not going to jump to that but it it just was kind of a weird i don't know i thought it was kind of a weird scene It, it was a very odd scene and it didn't see for me it didn't seem to fit the narrative of 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 what i know as firestarter do you know what i mean like so mm-hmm. i took me it took me a little bit to kind of be okay with like these added these added things that they're going to throw into this because they will so but the outburst causes like a thermal signature to show up on the shop's radar and captain hollister goes to see this doctor, Dr. Wanless that you're talking about, Kurtwood Smith, who's the creator of lot six. And he, and she basically wants to, his help to try and get Charlie brought in, but he wants her to kill Charlie because her powers will eventually become so great that she could cause a thermonuclear explosion. Okay, so as this is happening, mm-hmm. we're cutting back and forth between what's happening at home and right. the shop talking to this guy. So what's happening at home is this is where Charlie actually injures her mother. So we get the the her guilt with hurting her mom. But we also learn that mom wants to teach Charlie how to use her powers. Right. Dad does not. And so we're kind of now learning why she kind of just explodes like this. She doesn't know how to, you know, control these, if she can control them, they haven't taught her anything. The other thing with this old guy on here, this doctor guy, I, 
I was confused the first time around. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And then the second time around, I was still like, wait a minute, who the hell is this guy? But then I was like, wait, 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 this is the guy that, that started this whole trial thing. Mm -hmm. I felt this whole scene was not even necessary. It's because they, they gloss right over the lot six stuff. They right. throw and that I in think the credits. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. They throw it into the credits so we don't get to see like any of the any of the actual buildup to like how Vicky and Andy got their powers and the result of that. So yeah, if they're gonna choose to do what they did and right. gloss over that, I think you take this part out. You do, you we cut don't this out. need this this yep. scene here. Obviously, this movie's only an hour and a half, so it's probably in there to fill, but I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. you could fill it with some other stuff. Or, right put stuff like this maybe a little bit more in the beginning to explain some of this or something. I don't know. I just felt like this was really out of the place. It didn't make sense to me. (laughs) The guy doesn't end up joining them later down the road. I I thought it could all be cut. I think they could have, they could have cut that whole thing. And then later they could actually cut, they could actually have added some stuff. You know what? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'll, I'll, I've got in my notes here things that they needed to explain that they didn't. And this is one of those things that they didn't need to explain that they did. So I'm with you on that. They definitely needed to cut this whole bit. So Hollister enlists John Rainbird to terminate Charlie. Actually, I think she only enlists him to like get her. Get her. Yeah. Get Charlie. And Rainbird goes to the McGee house and grabs Vicky and they have this telepathic fight. And it turns out that Rainbird also has powers, which is a complete deviation from the book and the original adaptation. So this is where, this is where we really deviate here. Okay. So, and I was kind of wondering about that. Mm-hmm. If this was a character in the book or not, mm-hmm. I like the idea of this character, but I don't think they did the character justice with what they were trying to do with him. He's his motivations are very confusing to me. Why is he doing this? Is he like a hired hand? He's a hired hand. He's doing this volunteer or, you know, like voluntarily. I felt like, cause later in the movie, he's going, his, his motivation kind of changes and he, he stops doing what he's doing, but with going after Charlie and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. I feel like, if he didn't really want to do this, which that's what it seemed like, why is he doing this as a paid contractor? I feel like he maybe wouldn't do this because he's mad at the shop. I don't know. I thought his character was confusing. His character is confusing because it's not like the character in the book. The character in the book is a lot like the character in the 84 adaptation in that he is a contractor for the shop. He is a hired killer and he doesn't have powers, but he also is obsessed with finding Charlie and basically I think if I'm remembering this correctly he's obsessed with killing her so that he can take her power so that he can be what she is and in this version there is absolutely no reason for him to do this job because he's not a captive of the shop when we first see him he's living on his own yeah. She basically taunts him into coming back to the shop where they imprison him and they force him to do this stuff. But what do they have on him? 
What exactly do they know. have on I, them? I don't know. I'm really confused by this. Here is something that they could have explained. You cut the Kurtwood Smith thing. You add in a little bit of backstory for Rainbird. If you're going to change this character this much, make sure we know why he's, what his motivation is, what yeah. his reasoning is. Now, they give some lip service to the whole, oh, she's my mother, she's my sister thing, right? And it's just flowery words. There's no real weight to that. It doesn't explain his motivation. It doesn't explain why he allowed himself to go back to the shop. It doesn't explain right. why he allows them to capture him, to take him or prisoner. Her. Yeah, because he eventually is going to be taken prisoner by the shop again. And it's mm-hmm. like, you would think that if he's going to have these motivations, they and if he's going to have these motivations and he's going to do what they say, there would have to be some reason for mm-hmm. it he's not just going to randomly do it he's obviously been traumatized by these people he would i would think would stay far far away from it you right and if anything because they say he he says that he tells the mom before they tested on you know good-looking co-eds yep. they tested on lab rats so you would think he would have all the justification in the world to be against the shop and mm-hmm. not be helping them. That's why I felt, like I said, his character was very confusing to me. And, and this is since he was really kind of integral to what's happening in this mm-hmm. story, this is where it really kind of starts falling apart for me. See, the easy way to change this, the easy way to fix this, in my opinion, is you don't make Rainbird a part of the shop. If you want Rainbird to have this different, like, take this different version of him, and I have no problem with them making this, it makes sense. This is a very Tuskegee Airman, or not Tuskegee Airman, uh, is it Tuskegee Airman? They were testing vaccines and stuff on black servicemen, and I think it was the Tuskegee Airman that they were testing that on. But this has a very, very much a feel like that. So what you can do is you could make, you could have them call him and say, hey, we need you to go and bring this person in. And rather than do that, he can go rogue. And if that's what they were going for here, that didn't come off that way. He could go rogue. He could like be at odds with the shop for Charlie. You could have both Charlie and, or uh, excuse me, both the shop and Rainbird coming for Charlie at different, you know, different intervals. And what do they need him for? They've got these, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. Anyway, where were we here? Oh yeah. So he and Vicky have like this telepathic fight and he overpowers her and kills her. And then he grabs Charlie and holds her at knife point when Andy and Charlie come home and she basically blows up the house and then they run. They run into a guy named Irv. They hitchhike with him and Andy gives him the old push and tries to get him to take to take them to Boston. But he insists that they go back to his house first for lunch. So before we get to the part with Irv, Mm -hmm. there's a scene with a cat. Yeah. We need to talk about the cat. So the cat scratches her. Mm -hmm. She just throws her fire at it. So obviously this is the problem of her not being trained on how to use her power because she's just reacting to this and, and partially killing this cat. The part with the dad telling her, you have to put it out of its misery. This is a little child. Mm-hmm. And then telling her good job afterwards. This was so weird. I don't know. What did you think of this whole scene? 
it reiterates something that we already know, that Charlie's power is reactionary, because we know this from the interaction with Rainbird. She reacts, blows up the house. Now we know that we already know that when she's emotional, she reacts, which sexist much, but whatever. Did you, did you notice? Did you notice that both Charlie and her mom scream to use their powers, but the guys that have powers do it calmly and quietly? Did the mom scream? I didn't think yeah, she screamed. Yeah, she did. She screamed oh. and everything like kind of moved and blew at him and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I did. I don't remember her screaming. I just thought she went into the room and the stuff started coming off the walls. I don't remember her screaming. Nope. nope. She screamed. Okay. Charlie screams. Yeah. It's. It, I know Charlie screams because it made me think of Eleven and Stranger Things with all her screaming. <laughs> yeah. She has to scream to get her powers to go big I, too, I guess. Yeah. I so Wow. Wow. We're cracking something open here, I think. What's up with that? Anyway, anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, so her power being reactionary like that is already established. We don't need the cat scene. This is, again, filler that we don't need. But what Mm -hmm. what what they do give us is this whole like, oh, you know, you you already you already have killed it. Go ahead and kill it. That's going to come back later. This is Chekhov's fire starter or something i don't know <laughs> put it out of its misery put it out of its misery but then he goes later on he goes on later to say you know you can't just go around killing things willy-nilly because you know those things those people have families and they have people and so this is this is this is the cost of what you do you know when you do that blah 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 that was said several times through the yep. movie yeah. Don't use your powers to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he tells her to take it all down. So I mean, well, he doesn't tell her. He yeah. pushes her. He influences well, her. Well, yeah, to do he, that. he influences her. But we'll anyways, get to that. you know where we'll, I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, okay, you, it, they're setting this up the whole time. Don't yeah. use your powers. Don't right. use your powers to hurt people. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it, though. We'll get to that. So, yeah. So the Rainbird thing and the cat thing are are basically just reiterations of all of it, uh, of, of things that are going to keep getting told to us. But back to Irv, we get to Irv's house and Charlie goes wandering while dad and and Irv talk, talk a little bit. And she stumbles along, stumbles into what at first viewing, I thought this was like another like small house, like, you know, like a I thought so too. I house. thought it was like a shed or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's got, it's got Irv's wife in it, in a bed. She's paraplegic and uh, she's in the dark. Mm-hmm. It, like he keeps her like walled off in a room in the dark attached to machines and uh, and she falls you know, basically she falls through the window screen like a screen window not a not glass window or anything but she falls through the window screen and that's how she finds her but then all of a sudden she's in the house again because of the way they shot this it's like yeah. wait what how is she back in the house and how does he know where <laughs> she's been but it turns out that it's actually part of the house and we find out that that Irv Irv's wife had, was in a car accident that also killed his son and that she's paraplegic. But Charlie and Andy agree to stay the night. And which, okay, that contradicts their whole, we got to get to Boston now thing. Why are they staying the night? Like they needed to go ASAP. And now they're like, sure, we'll stay over. Why not? But anyway, besides the point, I guess. So they stay the night. But when, when Andy wakes up, he overhears what Irv is watching. And it's basically a news program about him, about Charlie or Andy, excuse me, Mm -hmm. having killed his wife and 
like absconded with his daughter, which is not the case. So he tries to explain that, but Irv gets a little like gets a little angry because of what probably, you know, presumably what happened to his wife, which we later find out because Charlie apparently also has telepathic powers. They actually established that pretty early on, which is not what they do in the book or in the original movie. They establish it pretty early on that she has these telepathic powers so that she can read minds and Irv's wife tells her what really happened. And that is that Irv was driving and he was having an argument with his wife and he drove into another car head on and that killed his son and paralyzed his wife. So he has a lot of guilt over that. That's why when he found out that Charlie was potentially an abductee of a wife killer, he decided to call the cops. So that's how they find them in this. Now in the original, the way that they find (laughs) the way that they find Charlie and Andy is that they see them in Irv's truck and they just happen to be at the right spot. Yeah. yeah, They happen to be like on the side of the road, getting like changing their tire as the truck passes by, which I always thought was kind of goofy, but yeah, that was, that's that's how they figure out who it is and where they are. So I feel like them finding them this way makes more sense than the original. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I don't like, I mean, I understand they were trying to show us at this point that Charlie is also a telepath, mm-hmm. but they don't pay this telepath stuff off later. So I no. feel like this was wasted opportunity. Why are you doing this at this point? I, I mean, I feel like, again, we've got stuff happening here that absolutely does not matter to the story. Right. Again, again, stuff that you could clip out and put in stuff that you needed to have in there, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So the cops show up and Irv tries to talk him down after after having a heart to heart with Charlie. He decides that which he flip flops really fast. On yeah, this he really does. Like, there's no this is one of those things, right? You could you could flesh this out a little bit more, you know. But he's just back and forth. And, and of course, he's drunk, too, because he's been drinking all night and watching this news clip over and over and over again, presumptively. I don't understand why he's just watching. <laughs> and it's not even that long of a news clip. It's like 30 second clip. Of but yet. So you're really worried because you've got this guy who's a killer in your house, but you're just sitting there watching TV, drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. not trying to get a weapon or something to protect yourself. <laughs> yeah, or, there's or, no gun know. there. What's, what's, what's going on here? So, yeah, so the cops show up and Irv decides he's going to go out and try and talk him down and say that he just called them because he was drunk and he thought he had thought he had seen him, but he thinks it's a dream and blah, blah, blah. And the cops are going to be like, well, he saw a TV show. Yeah, he saw a TV show. Oh, there's a great bit where like where, where Irv says, you mean I can't trust the TV? <laughs> I put that on the best line in the movie. You telling me I can't trust the TV shocker i know yeah that was great i love that that made me laugh both times i I laughed because how clunky is that like it is clunky but it is funny and that's the thing about a lot of the dialogue in this is it's very very clunky i'm gonna have some (laughs) other notes i'm gonna have some other notes of stuff that (laughs) like you know what well let's just get into it irv also says you can stay here until you go (laughs) what Well, what obviously, hell does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> Stay here until we okay. All right. Anyway, the cops are gonna search the house because they're suspicious at this point. 
And before they can do that, Rainbird shows up and murders all the cops. Then he... why? Who knows? Oh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. It doesn't make any sense. But he shows up and he murders all the cops. Then he uh, he goes after Charlie, only to find out that like him chasing after Charlie is actually just a, one last push from Andy. To make him believe that he's chasing the chasing the girl. But then the shop shows up. And here's where here's where my problem starts. Here is where the problems start for you. Uh, no, no, no. This okay. Here's what here's what I was talking about before. This is where we okay. get to see this is where we get to see the contact lens scene, is what I'm gonna call it. They pop these contacts in and they even, they even like, as they're doing it, they're, they're having someone off screen go contacts in contacts in, and they're putting the contacts in. So this is the second time, right? So first we're watching it, then we're hearing it. Then they walk up to Andy and Andy tries to use the push on him to give them, to make them give him their gun. And they're like, no dice freak. We got protection. And the guy taps his eye. And we get our third reference to the contacts in 45 seconds. We get it. You have protection. Why do you need Rainbird? If you have this technology that stops them from being able to use this, why do you need Rainbird? Well, especially because they were called in. My, okay, I was assuming that Rainbird had some kind of his powers were like tracking or something like that somehow he was able to sense you know this type of person but they rainbird's not the one that calls him in it's a police call because they've got this right. all over the news so mm -hmm. i agree i mean why do you have why do you have rainbird if you you're doing the rainbird. police thing at this point the eye contact thing i thought was weird too and i was kind of curious if this was something in the book do they explore how the push works i mean does there have to be eye contact is it just a verbal thing that you hear i i've got very confused at this point as to how this push works for this guy in the book and in the original movie there has to be eye contact okay he has to be able to look at you to be able to make this work. I, if I'm remembering correctly in the book, now it's been years since I read the book, but if I'm remembering correctly in the book, the eye contact thing is kind of a secondary thing. Like he can kind of affect things, but if he's looking at you, he can definitely do it. Mm, you know, okay. if I'm remembering that correctly, then that's how that happens. But so the problem with using Rainbird the way that they're using Rainbird here is that, you know, they're not going to do the plot where he is where they're using him to gain Charlie's trust and to get her to help them with their experiments. Mm -hmm. The whole concept here, the whole premise is that the shop wants her to study her. And we never get to see any of that in the original movie. And in, in the book, we'd get to see that we get to see how, they are experimenting on her and all this other stuff. Like there's this whole other set of trauma of this threat of her father being injured if she doesn't do what they want. Mm -hmm. And you and and putting putting Rainbird into the story in this way takes that out completely. So one more thing about the yeah, context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So then if they have these contacts in, mm -hmm. why do they blindfold Brainbird then? I don't know because uh, Hollister also has them in. When she taps her eyes again and you see the contact thing. Yeah. <laughs> why do they have him blindfolded? I uh, don't okay, know. Yeah. I don't <laughs> okay. know. Maybe an extra right. layer of protection. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like being on the pill and wearing a condom. I don't know. <laughs> it, like just in case, right? Just in case. Right. right. Oh, you never know. It is technology. Maybe it's, you know what? Maybe it's like, maybe it's like early, early tech that isn't completely like tested, which makes perfect sense why you'd be putting it in your eye. But uh, maybe it hasn't like, maybe it hasn't like, maybe it's got like an X percentage fail rate or something. I don't know. Anyway, they don't explain it. They don't bother to explain it. It's just there. So after the DSI people, which is what they're called, the Department of Special Investigations or some crap, I don't know what it is. Anyway, after DSI shows up, they grab Andy. But Charlie has escaped. She runs. She runs into the woods. We get another montage here. We her get a montage. Yes. Focus her power, I, and I think, <laughs> boy, she can. She can learn how to focus her power awfully quick. They should, probably should have shown her this a long time ago, because <laughs> she's a quick learner. Look, they, <laughs> this is a very South Park thing that I'm going to say. It's actually lifted directly from South Park. If you want to get really good at something very fast. You need a montage. <laughs> now, I didn't sing that so that saved people's ears. I didn't sing that, but that's actually <laughs> in the montage song in a in an episode of South Park. But yeah, that's like that's how they like that is so friggin' 80s to just be like montage of her trying to do this. All of a sudden she can control it because when she's done all in an afternoon. Can, yeah, all in an afternoon. When she's done, she can walk into the shop and just like turn off cameras. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's how quick she learned. Boy, she's a fast learner, which makes no sense because if that's the case, then she should have been able to learn all that stuff really quickly before any of this happened. She wouldn't have gotten out of control. She wouldn't have burned her mom. There would be no trauma there. How doesn't make any sense. No sense at all. <laughs> also, <agree>. <laughs> also when, also when, when Andy is talking to Hollister at one point, she says that that Charlie could end up blowing everything to smithereens. She, they actually had a character use the word smithereens on screen. I don't know the last time I saw a character use the word smithereens. <laughs> it is so positively 1960s. It's an antiquated term that I haven't heard in decades. And yet... Here we have her saying it. Like, what is going on here? This is just ridiculous. So, all right. So here's another problem that I have. We'll get to that here in just a quick second. So she, as she comes out of the forest, she uses her powers to steal a bike and some clothes from some kids. And then she heads to the shop. How does she how know do, where the shop is? How does she know where the shop is? She asked for directions. She asked where the coast was. But if she could feel where the shop is, why would she even have to ask where the coast is? Yeah. And if she's following some sort of like telepathic signature from her dad or something like that, mm -hmm. how, why would she need to ask directions? I just don't, mm -hmm. I don't get this whole like, 
how is she so powerful now? All of a sudden, because of a one afternoon training montage, she can follow a follow the telepathic quote unquote scent to the shop. And then when she gets there, she knows exactly where to go in. She knows exactly where to go. Once, once like, she, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like there's right. just she no knows, sense she's, to it at all. It's like she's following the like, Now my problem, like when she gets to the shop, mm-hmm. she's in the backseat of the car with that guy. Right. 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 And at this point, this is where I'm like, okay, so she could telepathically tell what that catatonic woman wanted to tell her husband or yeah. what happened. Right. However, she can't tell that this guy is lying and that he has a gun or where the dad is or anything like that. Right. It's like completely gone. So we had this scene back at the house and now from here, yeah, the telepathy has gone. She can't this do is, it. Yeah. This is the, this is the lack of payoff of that setup. That's that, that right there yes. is set up and they don't knock it down. They set it I don't up. Think and they it just comes back it again. Does it nope. I, that she can read thoughts? No, nope. I think it was nope. just that one thing. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we just get that. We get the setup, but we get no payoff. And the, <sighs> The scene that you're talking about where she breaks in, she's sitting in the back seat. If you really want to tweak this and you want to make it like, oh, yeah, she definitely has her dad's power because they mentioned that later. They mentioned that earlier, excuse me, mm-hmm. when, you know, dad's like, well, you obviously have mom's powers, so you must have mine, too. Right. Why don't you just make her push the guy? Well, yeah, push him and he could take a right in where. Yeah. Take where me to my dad. Supposed to go? Oh, yeah. boom. Bam, problem solved. But we had to pay off the cat killing here. That's the important part. Let's pay off the cat killing. We had to pay off the cat killing, but we didn't have to pay off the telepathy. Right. It's stupid. We we pick and choose what we're going to pay off here, guys. We're not going to do the whole thing. You picked wrong. Yeah, you chose poorly. So, (laughs) so, So she wanders through the halls until she finds her dad and he's in a cell. That's a, that's like mid glass or the front of its glass or something like that. And Captain Hollister waltzes in, saunters in even to tell Charlie, you know, Hey, we can help you. We're, you know, we designed this whole place to fix you know, to help you, you know, do your powers and learn how to do all this stuff, which by the way, she's already done in a training montage that lasted 30 seconds earlier in the movie. Not that much earlier because it's only 90 Good minutes. Good thing long. they spent so much money on that facility. Yes. Yeah. If only they knew they just needed to have a montage and yeah. problem solved. Right. So save so much. money. <laughs> that is your government money at work there, folks. <laughs> so basically, this is where we find out that Charlie's dad wasn't the one that telepathically called her to the shop. It was Rainbird that did that. Again, they, why? Yeah, I know. Again, why? And again, how does she not know where everything is if Rainbird planted all this for her? Like he telepathically called her the shop. He told her where it is, but he didn't tell her how to get in. He didn't tell her where to go. She had to like meander around in the halls until she found it. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, why wouldn't he tell her where to go? I I don't know. None sense. of it makes and, sense. Right. Anyway, so rainbird or not rainbird excuse me andy tells charlie to burn everything down but he doesn't just tell her he pushes her which we've seen before that his push can have a lasting effect it's not like hey do this real quick oh okay i'll turn the lights on it's 
now you you know you if he says burn it all down he means burn it all down which is what he does he he pushes her and in that push he says burn everything burn it all down starting with me and she does mm-hmm. none of this is her choice then not a single bit of this is her choice they remove her agency entirely at the end of this movie she's not making this decision this is her this is her dad are they doing it be- oh, well because number one at the beginning of the movie he said he would never do that use the push on his daughter mm-hmm. and here he does and then you get the whole don't hurt people all the way through i don't know how many mm-hmm. times three four five times through the movie right <sighs> I don't know. Is this some kind of weird reverse payoff thing? I, I don't get it. I don't know. It's it, to me, it seems like they don't want Charlie to be seen as a bad person, but they still want the effect of being tortured and manipulated into doing someone's wishes they want that payoff. That's the payoff that we get with the the 84 flick is that she loses her mind when they go to the barn and she starts burning everything down on her own. Right. Really? No. Well, because she was manipulated. She finds out. Yeah. She was manipulated. That makes sense. Yeah. Her dad says, burn it all down. And she's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to burn it all down. Right. So he makes the request. He doesn't push her in the 84 movie. Mm -hmm. She just does it. She's like, yeah, okay. We're going to unleash. We're going to let it all go. And she's killing like accountants and everything. Doesn't matter, right? Like I'm in the accounting department, right? I was making that joke when we were watching that. Like she goes after <laughs> that main building. Oh God, I'm just at the maid service. But like she burns the whole place down on her own, right? That is her taking control of that. And in this movie, her dad is the one that makes her take control. He forces her hand. This isn't her choice. Again, they wanted the payoff that they get at the end of the 84 flick and that you get at the end of the novel or towards the end of the novel. And they didn't build up to it. They just want the payoff. They didn't build up to that. But she she goes and she blows everything up and then she unlocks all the security doors, which also lets Rainbird out. And Rainbird rescues her when like she can't burn three guys in these uh, flame retardant suits. Although she's perfectly able to burn like everything else. Why she couldn't just burn these people up. I have no idea. Like it's so hot that literally people were turning to dust. Right. I think that's going to go through a flame retardant suit. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think, but they, they get her because the, this is the other dumb thing. The, the sprinkler system comes on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's how they they're like oh there's water in here she can't burn it now even though like earlier we saw her like boiling water in a in the uh, in the creek we she can affect the water too like come on guys this is this is just dumb but they because but because they have to pay off their little inserted rainbird story they have the guy be like hey we got her all right charlie it's gonna be okay right before rainbird kills them all and then kneels before charlie in supplication and she wants to kill him, but then she decides, no, she sees herself in the mirror and sees that basically he is under the thumb of the shop and she gives him mercy. And then she goes and blows up the rest of the building. And then, and then 
at the end, as she's walking along the beach, Rainbird picks her up and, you know, walks off with her on the beach. And then the credits start rolling, and so do my eyes. Yeah, I... Why is... There are some questionable... There are some questionable things here. Questionable motivations. Also, there's a scene where she lights somebody on fire and she says, liar, liar, pants on fire. I I sprained my eyes rolling them in that scene too. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah, the pants were on fire. Did you see? The pants were on fire. Oh, I saw the pants on fire. Pants outline left, but no person. They were like just... Why would she she even (laughs) trust Rainbird at this point? I don't know. That, That part is really weird unless if they're trying to say that she is telepathically able to tell he's not a bad guy but he killed her he mother. killed her mom yeah he, bad guy or not he killed her have mom. a clue yeah why she would allow this at the end that doesn't make any sense it's a, it's it kind of a, it's kind of a dumb leap in logic for that whole thing yeah the yeah yeah I do have one good thing that I enjoyed through this movie. Oh, what was it? Was it the John Carpenter the score? The music. Yeah, the John Carpenter the music score was, was, good. was literal fire. That was fantastic. John Carpenter is a master at pretty much like any, any score that he does is great. And I think, didn't his son help him with that too? I think so. I think there was a couple people involved. Uh, okay, so it wasn't just him. Yeah. Yeah, Cody Carpenter helped him with it. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're naming things that we liked about this movie, I'm going to say, so not the explosion at the school, but seeing Charlie at the school was an interesting take that we hadn't seen before. The idea that she was also a bullied kid is kind of interesting, but it it is very Rob Zombie because that's what they did with Michael Myers too. (laughs) Like they Michael Myers them. They yeah. Michael Myers her. I, I I I like that too, but if you kind of think about it, I don't understand why the parents who have not trained this child how to use her powers, why she would they would right. allow her out at a public <laughs> school out of their supervision. That yeah. part doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. Plus, also, they're trying to keep her secret. So why wouldn't you just do homeschooling right. or something they, like that? They're they're on the run, or they're supposed to be on the run from the shop. Yeah, like these people are supposed to have been have, have have purportedly been chasing them this whole time. This isn't like something that just pops up. Oh, she used her powers because she's used her powers before. Yeah, and they were trying to keep her from doing it. The dad was like, "Why didn't that show up?" No, it's not because that she used her powers. It's because they've been chasing them for years. These people are supposed to have been on the run for years and exhausted, and they let their guard down, and that's how these things happened. It mm-hmm. that's that's like, yikes, yikes! What a dumbing down of like a really good novel, by the way. I'm gonna go back and reread it because I'm I kind of miss that book. I don't have that novel anymore, at least not in my first edition hardcover like in like uh collection but i'm gonna have to find a copy of that a cheap copy of that so i can read it 
So I wanted to talk about one other thing here real quick. This movie spends an awful lot of time explaining things that don't necessarily need to be explained, but it's again, they don't, they don't trust the audience. I think, I think they don't trust the audience and maybe this is just a, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I think a little bit, I'll try and rein it in. I don't want to make this too long, but this may just be the way movies are made nowadays because, because people don't watch movies the same way they did you know, decades ago. Everything is consumed in short bursts. Everything is consumed you know, on the go. There's a lot of info dumps here. There's nothing implied. It's all explicit. Charlie or Charlie and Andy, or Char, excuse me, where Andy is explaining to, to the audience, not just Charlie, that she has both her powers and her mom's powers, and that she probably has her dad's powers too. That's explaining it to the audience. Whereas we learn in the original film, and this was again, a 40 year old movie at this point, 40 year old movie. Good God, it's a 40-year-old movie. Anyway, <laughs> oh my God. So in the original movie, they don't take the time to explain it all to the, you know, to the audience. They show us. There's a scene at the farm with Irv and his wife, who are very different characters in the in the original and in the novel. There's a scene where Charlie can see the agents, the shop agents on their way. She says they're turning onto the dirt road now without looking out a window. She just knows that that's what they're doing. And the audience goes, oh my God, she's got the telepathy too. But here they're like, oh yeah, you've obviously got your mom's powers and your own. So you must have mine too. So they just, they kind of just dumb it down and they make it like for quick consumption. That's what it is. It's for quick consumption and on the go consumption, uh, which I think, in popular film is probably just the way things are now. And I don't know that I like that. I don't know that I like that take. I think they need to trust the audience a little bit more. So, but do you have any other, you have any trivia for this movie at all? No, I do not. You don't have any trivia. Mm -mm. All right. Is it because you didn't bother or because you didn't find anything? Nope. There wasn't much out there. Ah, okay. So we don't know anything about like prior, like possible, like other versions of this or other like actors that would have been involved or something like that. Mm -mm. Okay. All right. Well, if we don't have anything, well, why don't we just get into it? Keep rent or erase over this one, Jen, where do you stand? I'm going to have to erase this movie. I really didn't want to i wanted to try and go with rent but i just could not make the music being good and it being a stephen king story the just not enough to watch this again i have watched this twice i will probably never ever watch this again unless i'm really forced to for some dumb reason <laughs> but i the story is the, the base of the story, I think, is fine. It's there. It's it's off of Stephen King's book. But this new character with Rainbird doesn't make sense. <laughs> How they have this story going and some of their choices they're making don't make sense. Mm -hmm. I just don't think this is a good movie. Okay. Fair enough. I am, I'm also going to go with a race. I don't think it's any secret after what I've said in this episode, but I want to kind of explain it a little bit. 
I am 100% for new versions, new ideas, but you have to make them make sense. The Rainbird stuff doesn't make any sense. The bleeding from the eyes instead of the nose, that doesn't make any sense and is way harder to cover up than a nosebleed, right? Like bleeding from the eyes. How do you explain that? Like, oh, <laughs> it's okay. I just, it happens sometimes, you know, like, how do you explain that? Like a nosebleed, you can go, oh man, I've got a nosebleed. Sorry, excuse me, right? Like you wipe yeah. it away, right? Eye bleeding, yeah. different story. That's a whole other thing. There's so much in this movie that doesn't make any sense. There's so much in this movie that feels disjointed. I like the idea that Rainbird was part of the experiment. I don't like where they go with him from there. I like Zac Efron's portrayal of Andy McGee. I think he does a fine job. I like the the girl that, that plays Charlie. I think she does a fine job. I don't like that they make it, oh, it's emotional women. They control their power through their emotion. It's laid back and calm men. They control their powers calmly. I don't like that. That doesn't make any sense to me. I remember when we, when we were getting ready to watch this, I said, or what, maybe it was even on the last episode. I said, well, if they don't, if they don't pet cemetery 2019, it, I think we'll be fine. They pet cemetery 2019. <laughs> they did exactly, they did exactly that. They, the, Rainbird is the, is the zombie kid for this movie. That's, 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 that's all I'm going to say about that. So absolutely, this isn't a race. I will never watch this movie again, and I don't recommend anybody watch this movie. If you want, if you want this story, go read the book. If you want this story on film, go watch the original movie, because the original movie has plenty of problems. Believe me, it has a lot of problems, and it could have been improved upon. This movie is not doing that at all. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That first movie was decent. It was mm -hmm. not good it wasn't bad i'd say middle of the road stephen king right. movie it's but not top tier by any stretch of the imagination no but this one i took several steps back from that one <laughs> mm -hmm. and let's be clear even though the original movie is 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 a is a b or c level stephen king adaptation i love it i think it's a great fun movie to watch is it a good film no no it's not a good film there's nothing really nourishing intellectually nourishing about that movie at all but it is a fun sunday afternoon watch so there i'm, I'm gonna say that this movie again nothing intellectually nourishing but it is not a fun sunday afternoon watch it's one of those ones that's kind of painful you're like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. what why yeah yeah this movie is an hour and a half long and I think we stopped twice during this to go do this or that <laughs> because it just, it felt so long. It just yeah. was not interesting. It was hard to follow just because of the storyline and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I, I want to just say too, I agree with you that I feel like the actors did a good job. This yeah. is not anything on the actors. I, I just think it's a storytelling issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's the choices that they made in the script and I don't even think that the directing is all that bad. I think that the script is terrible. I think they should have maybe go through it a couple more times, maybe have somebody else do another pass at it or something yeah. for God's sake. It just, I can't imagine Stevens King is happy with this movie. I cannot imagine that he's happy with this movie, but uh, so, all right. So where are we at? What are we doing next? Oh, wait, is next week men. All right. Next week. Yes. We are going to cover 
Men. It's oh a my God. new movie coming out. Yes. it's a, Okay, so it's coming from A24. And I'm not a guy that generally is like, oh my God, I love every movie that Universal Studios ever made. No, but I am that way with A24. Everything I've seen from this studio has been absolutely fantastic. You, I I'm can understand. I'm a little yeah, more nervous about going to see this. You're a little more nervous about are. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they did uh, on Reddit. They usually, when I see an ad for a movie on Reddit, they've shut down the comments. They don't allow anybody to make comments on it. And this movie, they let the comments go. And you can't imagine the amount of guys toxic guys that are in the comment section of this ad on reddit that are like already lambasting it because the name of the movie is men <laughs> okay and because obviously if you watch the trailer the the bad guy is obviously a man they are already just roasting this movie and here's the funny thing it's a genius move if your bad guy is supposed to be some men to allow toxic men <laughs> to make your fucking point before they've even seen the movie, it is brilliant. And I love it already for that. We'll see if I actually like the movie after we've watched it, but I love <laughs> the marketing for this movie is fucking brilliant. Anyway. So next week we'll see you right here on the couch with men. That sounded right, right? <laughs> that sound right? We're going to see men on the couch. There's going to be men on the couch, right? We're going to be, gonna on be the couch men on the couch. <laughs> we'll be on the couch with men. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A View from the Couch. We value your feedback. Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your preferred podcast listening app. You can reach us on Facebook by searching at A View from the Couch on Twitter at view underscore couch, or by emailing us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye. See ya.